Turn to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John. And verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right? Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us in this happy, blessed, prosperous new year. We thank you for this time to come together, your children, to receive the pure manna of the Word of God. Thank you for helping us, healing us everywhere we hurt, empowering us by your promises and your Holy Spirit. Loving us and prospering us and helping us to help others with that same help. In Jesus' name, amen. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus was God. Period. Jesus was not just a man sent to earth by God. And this is the most important statement in the New Covenant. All other things, all other truths hang on this truth. You hear me? If he was only a man, then no matter how good he was, he could only provide a substitute for one other man. However, since he was God, his life was worth more than every human life ever created, in fact, more than the entire universe which he did create. The Bible says the creator is always greater than the creation, or the builder is always greater than the house he built. Same difference. Amen? So, Jesus was God. That's that's such an important thing because you know there are people sitting in buildings well if they're congregating right now right all over this nation who will invite people in under the pretense that it's a christian church oh yes we believe in jesus we believe in jesus the problem is they stop and they call him good. But just like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus, he said, good master, what must I do to inherit the king? He said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Now, he wasn't saying he wasn't God. He was wanting to know what this guy's motivation was. If he had a realization or a revelation that Jesus was God, and he did not. He was just kissing up. And he really came to brag. Jesus said that, and Jesus, in his, in the, the man lied to him already. So Jesus just played along. He said, "Well, then, you know, <laughs> you know the commandments, 
And he started listing them. And the guy interrupted again. Oh, I've done all that since my youth. He lied again. And Jesus said, seeing through his deceit, his real problem, he said, okay, then go sell everything you have, give it away, give to the poor, and and come and follow me. He didn't even put a dollar in the offering basket. Just ducked his head in shame and walked away. Jesus loved him. But that relationship wasn't going to be built upon a lie. Jesus had to get through that first, right? He was God. Any compromise on the fact that of, of the truth of Jesus' divinity will nullify, negate all of His redemptive work on our behalf. You see? That's why it's important. There are... And I'm not picking on anybody. We love everybody. But there are people that knock on your doors on Saturdays. There are groups that meet in big fancy buildings and they have almost a whole state of their own. And they have secret societies within it. All talk about Jesus. They stop short of calling Him God and because of that, they will not enjoy the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I'm sorry, unless they repent. This is a fact. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by or through Him. So that's the litmus test. They can talk about Jesus all day long. Even the Muslim faith consider Jesus a prophet. Did you know that? Although they will kill you for having this. But you have to tell them just like Jesus did that rich young ruler, either call him God or quit calling him good. Because he was either God because he said he was, or he was a con. That young Democrat representative from New York who says that Jesus and Hitler were both a lot alike. They were big cons, you see. That's, uh, that's not going to fly. And we pray for that person's soul because as long as there's breath in their body, how do we know whether they're going to be one of the ones that repent? Joey and I were just outside talking earlier about all the ones that we know that have turned from a life like I had <laughs> to one now that has Jesus at the center. And that's a wonderful thing. So Jesus was God. And we have this. But He did come in the form of a man, didn't He? He came in the form of a man. And, and you know, we go out in the yard and yesterday, I, I or, or on the, the first, 
I put away all the, the, the we've got a nativity set that sits in the front yard. It's about two feet tall. It was Tavana's mama's. And she really treasures it because of that. And it's really cool. And it needs a little work now, but it's, uh, it's like porcelain or plastic or something, but it's, it's really nice. But Harper loves the baby Jesus. We don't put him in there in the cradle until Christmas Eve. And then I take him out on New Year's uh, when I put everything else away. And we explain that to her. But she loves to go out and get him, especially if it's raining or cold. She feels like he needs tending to. And she likes to bring him in the house and wash him up and, and wrap him up and all that. And so we just we let her. But <laughs> at some point, it's important to... You know, right now she can't really understand all the other stuff, and you don't want to try to <laughs> you don't want to try to teach a four year old like you do an adult. <laughs> so we just we just uh, admire the the growth that that comes just from God through her, just by being around us and and some of the things that you can get in, you know, that that are imperative and essential, really, at an early age are helpful, very helpful. Anyway, but the fact that he came and humbled himself and took on human form and became a servant is something very special. It's amazing the way that he did it. I wrote down a, a baker's dozen of scriptures. All that is is scriptures right there. And I wrote them out so I don't have to go there and preach I might get through half of them, but I'll, at least I won't turn and preach because I wrote them all out last night about between 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning. First Timothy 3.16 says, Great indeed is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations believed on in the world and taken up in glory Philippians 2 7 says but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men so he became just like us not only that but he came in a very humble way, as we know, and set aside all of his godly privileges to totally be like us, that kinsman redeemer that we've taught about. He had to be exactly like us, learn to walk and talk and chew gum. <laughs> they had gum. Because if he didn't, he would not have qualified to be that kinsman redeemer, you see. He did get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but just like you're entitled to. And I'm really going to stress on that this year because you need it if you don't have it. But, coming out of a time of year... Whether it be Christmas or New Year's, I know a lot of folks that they 
they they they think of the baby Jesus maybe if they give him any thought at all but they think of the baby Jesus but we can't let his humanity the fact that he became a human being get in the way of the fact that God himself became our friend isn't that awesome Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Talking about Jesus. He's our high priest forever. Without beginning and without end. That's the order of Melchizedek. Another, Another teaching for another time. But we don't have someone who's unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. He's been tried and tempted in every way, every aspect, just as we have, yet without sin. So he came and he really went through it. He didn't just put on the skin of a man, but still walked around with all the influence and and benefits of the kingdom of God. He had to walk it out. And he did it perfectly, didn't he? Hebrews 7.25 Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So God himself came, made himself Relevant, approachable, knowable. See, before that, God seemed like something very far off. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, that's like... And then they had the law, right? The law required perfect work. Otherwise, you got negative benefits. (laughs) Now we get this beautiful, forgiving, loving God of grace and mercy right here in front of us so we can see what he's really like. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So all we have to do is examine his life and see how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He never turned anyone away for healing or for anything good. We can't let his divinity blind us to the fact that he knows exactly how we feel. And we don't want to let his humanity blind us to the fact that Almighty God actually came and became one of us so he is our friend and he is relatable and can I tell you you need the Holy Spirit to give you a true revelation of the deity and the humanity both sides of the coin I spend a lot of time people know there's a God and they know they're not him I don't care what they say but Christ came to show us what God was like and to be one of us and to save us, frankly, because we were in a bad, bad situation and we couldn't do anything to help ourselves. But 
we need the Holy Spirit to give us a revelation of that combination of deity and humanity of Jesus. And once we do, then we need to understand that everything that He is and everything that He has is that is ours now. Amen. Because we have the fullness of God living inside of us. John 1.16 says, And of His fullness have we all received and grace for grace. The Christian life is not just a, an insurance policy that we get so that when we die and go to heaven we get the benefits of it. No. Every believer has now received the grace of God and the fullness of God. Everything He is and everything He has, we possess in our born-again spirits. We are spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 And so we're complete in Him. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, For in Him... That's Jesus. The whole fullness of deity, or yours might say the Godhead, dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him who is head of all rule and authority. So Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. There is nothing that has been created that is not under His control. Or his ownership. And now you are in him. And he is in you. Everything he has. Is yours. He is yours. You're his. And everything that goes with it. When we receive Jesus. As our Lord and Savior. We change. Instantly. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we are a new creation in Christ, doesn't it? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. People look at their physical body. They look at their situation. They look at their some of their soulish realm, their emotional portions, their mind, their will and emotions, that's your soul. And they say, I, I don't think everything became new. Well, in the spirit, it did. You are a spirit. You cannot discern your born-again spirit with your natural senses. That's where people miss out sometimes. People aren't aware of the changes that take place on the inside. So, because of that, they continue to live by their physical senses and their natural mind. And when they do that, they're being oblivious to the new born again part on the inside of them. They have no benefit from it. Because they haven't been probably taught right or else they've just 
walked away from the teaching or they just are under the impression that it's just a once and done thing and something they checked off. Oh, I, I, I know somebody, a family member, who said, oh, I took care of that a long time ago. What they mean is they went to church and they got baptized. And I don't think they've ever been back since. You see what I'm saying? Now, always hope and there's always, and as long as Tavon and I are alive, there's going to be, the uh, Holy Spirit is not going to leave anybody like that that we know alone. <laughs> because we're going to see to it. God hears our prayers because we pray according to His will. And so every time we pray for someone's salvation and for godly influences and mentors and people to be into their life, somebody is being sent across their path. Now, God's still dealing with their free will so they can reject Him time and time again. But at some point, they're going to say, Okay, God... <laughs> What is going on here? I know this is you. <laughs> this is bizarre. And nobody else might understand, but I get it. And that's the point. That's what we want, right? <laughs> you can't see or touch your spirit because it is a spirit. But God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what it says in John 4.24. Okay, I'm adding scriptures to my list. But... But that's important. Because if we have to worship Him in spirit, He is a spirit, and we can't discern our spirit with our natural senses, what does that mean? Well, then we need to go to the Word. Because this book is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's even able, that's what it's a, it says, it's even able to divide spirit and soul. Why does it make a big deal like that? This just doesn't say able to divide spirit. So it's, it's even able to do this. I mean, in other words, that's a hard thing sometimes. It's hard for us to discern what's our really, what's our natural emotions and what's our spirit. Sometimes we, we have feelings and we think, oh, this is God. Uh, look at the war between, uh, read Isaiah sometimes and look at the war between nor- the north and south, not here in the United States, but in Israel. <laughs> And look with the, the, the opposing kings uh, from Judah and, and from the south. What they were, they both thought they were hearing God. Well, somebody was wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We have to come to a point where we find out what's the flesh and what's God. Because too many people are doing their own thing and then asking God to bless it after they've already headed down that road. And they're finding themselves at dead ends and frustrated and failures and this and that and the other. And they blame God. Well, I mentioned that to you. Well, yeah, you mentioned it to me after you already were invested. You didn't ask me if it was my plan for you. (laughs) There's a difference. But you can know. Your spirit is the eternal, invisible part of you. But everything that you have, everything that you need, you already have in Christ. All things pertaining to life, that's this life, and godliness have been given to you in Christ our Lord. Amen. You're a new creation. And Jesus said that His Word is spirit and life. 
That's why the word is so imperative in the life of a believer. I try to read my Bible four times a year. I don't do it, <laughs> but I, that's my that's my goal. And every time I fall short in a day, I just add a day. I, God didn't grade me. That's just me. I would like for everybody to just at least read it once. Ever. <laughs> it would be good for you if you read it every day. But that's another thing for another time. And that's something that I really wish that the Holy Spirit would put upon you. Joey, and I'm not trying to embarrass you, but we were talking earlier. And he just said, you know, I just, my desires changed over the years after I came started coming to know the Lord. And I said, yeah, me too. It's just that's, the, that's supposed to be. That's how we can tell. There should be fruit. Our desire should change. We should change. When we fall in love with Jesus, like I always say, you can get so full of the truth that you can't stand the lie anymore. You turn on the radio sometimes and you just, the songs you used to really just jam to, it's like, man, I can't. That's such lie. That's such nonsense. Why are they bragging on the devil? Why are they complaining so much? Why are they pity part, you know, talking about everything the enemy took from them instead of what God is waiting to give them? <laughs> I told Joey, I said, sometimes I just want the Lord to just blur out the lyrics and just let me jam a little bit. You know, I like those songs, but I can't hardly listen to it anymore. <laughs> Nothing against anything. I'm just saying. The places you go, the people you're around, sometimes you just, you still love them, but you just, I don't have anything to say. You want to talk about Jesus? <laughs> He's been good, good to me. And I'm, you know, I'm not here to judge you. That's all they want to talk about sometimes. They want to debate with you about whether or not their sin is okay. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Ask Jesus. I do know. I mean, you're not asking my opinion, though. And I don't want to give you my opinion. I'll tell you what the Word says, but I don't think you want to hear it. You don't seem like you're coming for seeking truth. You're just still trying to defend your position. <laughs> and that's okay. I'm not trying to fix it. The leaves on the tree. <clears throat> I want you to get to know Jesus so he can fix the root. And then the whole tree will prosper, you see. Amen. I'm not going to worry about your individual issues unless they start affecting me. Or the people around me that I love. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but in your spirit, you are right now the same as you're always going to be. You're 100% born again in your spirit, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You have the very mind of Christ. Your spirit, you know, I'm talking about the joy of the Lord is my strength. I have to sing that song. you got to see me coming down the stairs real slow. Sometimes if I don't have shoes on, I have to do one step at a time in the morning until I get my coffee. <laughs> I heard Miss Cheryl talking about some exercise, and I told... Somebody earlier that I tried to, <laughs> on, on New Year's Day, it wasn't a resolution, but you know, I do my elliptical in the living room 
And I, uh, I think I was going to get it all done for the whole year that day. And as I, oh, today I just put it on mountain climbing mode and bump it up a few notches. And then I wasn't able to get on it for a couple of days. You see. <laughs> John six sixty three. Jesus said, "The Spirit gives life; the flesh profiteth nothing." This is one of the scriptures that made me understand. Well, then I need uh, I need to know more about the Spirit. I need to get closer to Holy Spirit. He is He is. Jesus without bodily form. He is the, the the third person of the Trinity. He is a person. He is God. And He is the one who came when Jesus went home and sat down next to the Father. And if He's not your best friend, then you need to get to know Him better. And I can tell you the best place to start is just by asking. Just ask him. That's what he's been waiting for your whole life. You can still you can still talk to Jesus. It's the same thing. It's not gonna offend him if you call him Jesus. Because they're the same. Although they're separate persons. Don't ask me to explain that because some things you can't understand completely. You just believe by faith. We have a Father who loves us very much. He has a Son, Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the other person on that council. And they are the same. They're one and they're three. Yes and yes. First John 4.17 says that you're the same right now as you will be throughout all eternity. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as He is, so also are we in the world. Right now, in this world, you are the same as Jesus. And you say, well, I thought I was being conformed into the image of Jesus. Yes, you have to understand, and that's why spirit, soul, and body is so foundational, so fundamental, and so missing in so much of the body of Christ. But, and not not saying that in a critical manner, I just feel blessed and thankful that God has made us stewards of this beautiful information because it helps you to understand the Bible. A lot of times they're talking about only spiritual things. A lot of times they're talking about the soulish realm and other times they're talking about the physical body or the body that will be. And if you don't understand that there are those differences, then sometimes the Bible will throw you off in confusion. It looks like it's contradicting itself when they're not. Sometimes Paul will be talking about your soulish realm. Other times he's talking directly to your spirit man, who you really are. And that's why it's my desire to always speak more to the person that you are now in Christ, the Christ in you, so that you know who you are and you get familiar with that person. You, you, you can get more familiar with him by hearing 
anointed teaching from the pulpit or by reading your Bible and asking the Holy Spirit to read it with you and to you and give you revelation knowledge. And you can do it by praying in the Spirit to Him. But you are as you will be forever in your spirit right now. Your soulish realm is what's being renewed by the washing of the water of the word. But but what I was saying when I was singing that song, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So I sing songs like that to preach myself happy. This is the day I'll be like This is the day that the Lord has made. I lift up those heavy hands. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Next thing you know, I'm moving a little more spryly and I'm jumping around and I'm praising God. And and that's a good thing. Amen? Because it says He inhabits the praise of His people. So when I feel like the enemy wants me to go the opposite direction, when depression tries to come upon me, or darkness, or heaviness, or anger, or unforgiveness, or memories that go backwards instead of dreams that go forward, I just start rebuking the devil. I don't give him too much time, really. I just start praising God, because when you praise God, when you glorify God, that's prayer. Do you know that's prayer? And that you 90% of your prayer, 95% of your prayer life should just be thanking God and praising God. And then you can throw in your requests at the end. And then thank Him again for those because He heard you. And believe and receive that you've already received. That you've already received and then you will have it. That's what Jesus said. So make sure you've done that. And forgive. Where was I? <laughs> the long and the short of this is that you need to believe it. We just come out of this long series on believing. And it's all about believing. Believe and receive or doubt and do without. Proverbs 23 verse 7 in the King James Version <laughs> Sometimes only the King James Version got it right. And I believe that's because when they didn't understand the translation of something and they didn't seem right, they didn't try to make it fit and fix it. They just translated it like it was, even if it didn't look right on the page. But as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so, when sometimes when people say, I'm sick, I'll say if you say so. And they get frustrated with me. And I'm saying, I'm just saying, your words have an impact. Oh, well, I'm just being real. No, you're being carnal. And I love you, and I know that something is coming against your body. I'm not trying to be uh, weird. God is not weird. And I'm not weird for telling you this. But you'll be weird if you don't get on board with it. Because you need to speak to your mountain. Anything that is an obstacle to overcome in your life, whether it's sickness, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's relational, whether it's financial, you need to speak to that. You need to say it until you see it in your own mind and believe it. 
Because hope for the Christian is that confident expectation of good from God, not just a wish. It's an expectation, a knowing. And then you give your faith a target when you have hope like that. You have the vision. You can actually see it. Everything that God has is at your disposal and all your vision and your dreams should be bigger than you. Bigger than you can actually figure out how I can accomplish this in my own resources, in my own strength, in my own time. You need to believe. And then God has a place to operate, you see. Because now we've been given the fullness of His grace. What that say? John 1.16 And of His fullness have we received and grace for grace. Can I tell you this? The grace of God, and I'm going to spend I'm going to spend forever on this, but I'm going to spend weeks and weeks talking about the grace of God because it's multifaceted. You understand what a diamond? You girls, you know, and you know what facets are. Oh yeah, a good a good diamond cutter or whatever. He can really cut that thing. First of all, you know a diamond, when it comes out of the ground, it doesn't look like it's worth two cents, does it? It's all murky and dirty and all that. They clean it up, they polish it up, and then they start chipping away, cutting that thing, all the facets of it, so that it has angles, so that it catches the light and is beautiful, and you can look at it and see all the different things. Well, we're just, every time we open this Word and look into the... The grace of God, we're looking at the different facets of God, the different aspects of His character and His beauty and His grace. And all of the grace of God, which is everything that Jesus provided through the atonement on the cross, is yours. All the promises of God in this book are yes and amen. The grace of God, remember it like this, because we always we always define the grace of God. Grace is the unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor and blessing of God for the Christian, right? Grace, here's another way to remember it. Spell it out, just like help, right here on the back of the Grace and Truth Church shirt. Help, heal, empower, love, and prosper. Remember grace is like this. God's resources at Christ's Expense. God's resources at Christ's expense. When you look at something and you say, yeah, uh, look what I did. That's not grace. Look what I accomplished. That's not grace. When you look at something and you say, look what God did. That's grace. Because you are giving the credit to God. You are giving... Because everything that God does for you, although He loves you as much as He loves any person in this world, everything that He's doing for you is because of what Jesus has done for you. God's resources... At Christ's expense. Grace. God loves you. He wants you to enter into a place of rest. In his finished work. And now. That rest doesn't mean that you don't do anything. You will work more and better. You know I tell. I tell people all the time. They say well. Well preach. You know I'm not a. I'm not a preacher. You know, 
I'm a, I'm a this or I'm a that. It's okay. The kingdom of God, God needs good lawyers. God needs doctors. God needs plumbers. God needs teachers. God needs politicians. Amen. People that live under the influence of the grace of God. I'm going to pray this prayer from the Ephesians chapter 1. Paul's prayer to the Ephesians. And I'd ask that you let the Holy Spirit reveal Christ in you, the hope of glory, which is what Colossians 1.27 says. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ephesians chapter 1, starting at the 15th verse, Paul began to pray to the church in Ephesus. And I believe that he was praying for you and me today. Amen. The Holy Spirit actually wrote this book. And I know that this prayer is for you and me today. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints... Stop right there. Jesus said that that's how people will recognize true believers, their love one for another. You know, Christians, the church at large, since, I don't know, countless millions upon billions of dollars all over the world, which is good. If the church was really as it should be, teaching people how to prosper, how to take advantage of all of the, the law of sowing and reaping and how God gets, gets things, gets supplies and provisions to His children and they walked in that divine revelation, there wouldn't be any real need like there are. All of the programs and things that are set up for good reasons but taken advantage of by people with ungodly motives from the government would be non-existent because God's kingdom would be so prosperous that everything would be taken care of. Amen. But we need to start right there with our love one for another. Let the world see that. Provoke them to jealousy for what you have and that's the one form of jealousy which is good that God wants you to provoke in other people is a jealousy for Him. And then once they come to Him, they'll find out, hey, there's no sense in being jealous of what my brother or sister got. Because when you take from the grace of God, you've not depleted God's account one iota. Amen. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This is me to y'all. Amen. <laughs> no, it's actually God. Jesus is interceding for you right now. Do you know that? He sits there and he, he takes all of your prayers and he sits there. You can look in the old covenant to see the images of the priests and all that. He would sit there and listen and listen and listen. <laughs> anyway, Jesus is listening to all your complaints. All your prayers are going into a basket, right? Like incense. In front of him. 
and that he passes it on to the Father, right? And he's getting all your prayers, all your complaints, all your moping and complaining. He's throwing all that stuff out. And then finally, oh, I love you, Lord. Oh, Father, look. Praise you, Father. Father, look. Father, I really need help right here. Will you help me? I can't do it on my own. Look, Daddy. The God, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, which are, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head above all, over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Isn't it beautiful and interesting and encouraging that Paul didn't pray, uh, Lord, I pray that you will protect these people from, don't let the enemy, the Roman soldiers come and get them. Help them build up an army for them. Uh, provide for them. Give, them. give them food. Give them shelter. Give them clothing. Give them finances. He didn't pray for that, for anything like that, did he? I don't see where he prayed for one tangible thing. In the natural. What he prayed was for them to have revelation knowledge. And understanding of what they already had inside of them. It's sort of like. Giving a man a fish or teaching him how to fish. Which is a, a rough comparison. But. Jesus fed the 5,000 plus. But they walked away and they got hungry again, didn't they? The woman at the well, she got her water that day, but he said, if you drink the water that I have, you'll never thirst again. She said, give me that water. That's, that's the wise choice. That's the wise choice. Because you get that water, you'll find out. You'll, God will begin to bless you in ways. He'll give you revelation knowledge not only of Him and His love for you, and you'll work out of the overflow for that, but also He'll teach you all the spiritual laws that He has in place for your provision and protection and your blessing. Why do you think we speak Psalm 91 out loud? Because there's power in that Word. There's power for protection and provision in that Word. And once we come to an understanding that... We are surrounded by the armies of God. We have our own angels that are assigned to encamp round about us to keep us safe. The favor, the grace of the Lord surrounds us as a shield. Nothing can by any means harm us unless we give it access. 
We, with our mouths and with our actions and with our unbelief. That's encouraging to me because it lets me know I do have a part to play. That God is not sovereign to the point that whatever will be, will be. That is not the truth. God is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Nothing more powerful or all-knowing or all-present like He is. But at the same time, we have a part to play. And it's whether we're going to do it or not. Because He's not going to force us to accept Him. He's not going to force us to accept His truth, His promises, His provision. But it's there. It's there. And it's yours. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us, for your blessing for this new year. Thank you that we're going into it strong, believing, and receiving all that you have for us. Lord, let us not stand before you one day and have you wipe away any tears for saying we ever missed an opportunity to hear you and to agree with you quickly and to do the things that you have for us to do and to be all that you have for us to be from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.